We keep things rolling here on the Sports Cubicle here on WCPT 820 AM and WSBC 1240 AM. It's Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado. And oh my goodness, you know it's a glorious day when Paulie has that big old smile on his face. You know he's worked up some evil scheme, something good and delicious for all the listeners here on the Sports Cubicle. Paulie, you outdid yourself today. What do you have for the uh, for all the colleagues here around the Cubicle? Well, I was, uh, as I always search for content for this show, I stumbled on uh, a book that's being released, and it's from a former NFL player that played with the Cowboys, the Colts, and my Raiders. <laughs> so I definitely had to reach out to him. And as I was researching, I found out that our guest, Steve Wright, was also on Survivor. And he also invented the uh, Cloudburst misting system, uh, which I was able to uh, enjoy in a very hot 1996 Atlanta Olympics. And he joins us today. Steve Wright, thank you for joining the Sports Cubicle. Hey, Paul and Mike. It's my honor. I appreciate you having me there. Um, I, I spent a little time in Deerfield uh, in junior high. Um, love Chicago. But I noticed you're, uh, you're a Midwest guy, too. Uh, uh, St. Louis, as well as University of uh, Northern Iowa. So you did spend some time in the Chicago area when you were growing yeah, up? Mo yeah, most of my time was around the Midwest. Minneapolis a few times, born in St. Louis, Chicago, up in Deerfield. Yeah, Connecticut. Uh, my father was a salesman, and we were traveling around quite a bit. But yeah, mostly in the Midwest. And once I got a taste of, of the L.A., whether I stayed when I when I moved out here in 87 to play for the Raiders and never left. <laughs> I don't blame you for that. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you about your book, Aggressively Human, and it's um, you know discovering humanity in the NFL, reality television and life. And, um, you know, I think for the football fan, you get, you know, a lot of uh, some of the treats, the stories of playing in the NFL. But more importantly, um, you know, you're you're approaching a conversation that I think needs to be had nowadays of trying to uh, have, you know, as well as the, um, you know, aggressive mindset to approaching life to have the kindness and compassion. Could you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write this book? Right on, man. It's uh, thank you for for bringing this up. Yeah, my, my book uh, kind of just came to be as, as I just started writing uh, during the pandemic. Um, had no name for it, didn't have a theme for it, just started writing. I, my my philosophy has always been just take care of what's, what's in front of you. I had all these great stories in me, and just like you two do and everybody else does. I, I've been fortunate. I've had quite a few. Um, didn't realize you you were down in Atlanta as well, down at the Olympics. That was uh, that's one of my one of my bigger honors, even over the top of football. I think eleven years of football starting my company there, but. The, the book came to being by just starting to write. And then as I was writing, I was really realizing that, you know, looking back at my father, and my grandfather, they were very compassionate, empathetic men that uh, always led with a smile and a handshake and talked to everybody. And that's who I am. And then I had to turn on the beast, um, you know, starting in high school and in sports, if you were going to excel, which every kid wants to do. And um, then it led to scholarship offers and then led to the Cowboys and turning it on and off. And then, you know, the more you see it in society today, there's just, uh, you know, I'm not going to do any politics, but, it, um, you know, just the, the right and the left. And the, my, my thing is yin and yang. You got to have both. You got to have toughness. You got to have anger. You got to have be ready to to 
um, turn it on and protect yourself. As my wife says, I've got my my spirit animal is the golden retriever, but it's definitely a Rottweiler sitting inside of me that I, I've really learned um, through my Buddhist way of meditating and everything else to keep the beast down. And that's where I'm in a happier place. But yeah, it's just it's the it's the it's the pendulum of, of not being too soft and not being too hard and um, treating everybody as as one which you just don't see that anymore um you know just simply walking through a grocery store everybody's looking at the ground or somebody fighting and arguing and so there's yeah i just kind of felt it was a good time and the, the theme just developed and there there's uh, aggressively human Steve, I am so excited to talk about uh, what we're going to call the better half, Lizzie, in just a little bit, because there's something so commendable about such a uh, a stoic yet compassionate and uh, uh, individual like yourself who's lived a very unique life. And yet you have this other person, your partner, who brings up this other side of you and helps you explore this journey. And before we dive deep into Aggressively Human, part of that is the human side of it, right? You're not just a football player. You're not just a partner. You're not just a son. You're not just a friend. You're all this combined. You're an entrepreneur. You you like watching movies on Sunday morning, all these different things. How hard or how long did it take you to develop the idea of knowing when to turn it on, turn it off, the lessons you learned from your grandfather and your father to say, at this moment, I need to be the Rottweiler, but at this moment, I need to be the golden retriever. How long did it take you as a man in in the society when you were coming up in the league that you played in to develop that habit? Oh, let's see. Um, For sure, simply when you strap your helmet on and you come out of the locker room and you strap your helmet and you walk across the sideline to get onto the practice field it's full bore you turn into an animal no matter if you know you had a death in the family the day before or you're hung over or whatever it is it's you know you just you you go from zero to a hundred just red line and but then when you step off the field yeah, I'm back down to who I am. It was it was actually a, a fairly easy process for me, but it was uh, it was um, living more of the compassionate life. And the more I've uh, been doing this, it just like yeah, like any habit, um, it just develops more. So it's it's almost like one of these things. I think it takes 20 days to break a habit of whatever you know, sugar or cigarettes or something, um, alcohol or whatever it uh it also feeds on the positive too so the more i found that the more i smiled at people and stuck a hand out to shake hands or just you know help somebody it really began to feed on itself and felt right to me um so it was it was it was an easy process that i think everybody can get to but you got to put an effort into it and be ready for people not to say hello back and roll with it and just keep going and stay on your path uh, you mentioned earlier, um, kind of like a, a Buddhist way. Is, is Buddhism something that that you practice? And, and if so, when did you kind of uh, come across that as kind of a, a religion or a spirituality to to follow? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was raised in a Christian family. Uh, my parents, uh, Presbyterians, always going to church. I write about this a lot in the book. Um, and it just never felt right to me. I, I, I led a big ministry at uh, a church in Orange County helping the three, five Marines, helping almost a couple thousand Marines and their families. And it was a Christian thing. And 
um, really found uh, a lot of guys just aren't walking the walk. They're 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 talking the talk, but they're not walking the walk. And kind of it just it just never really felt right. It felt great helping the Marines and everything else, but all the volunteers, not all of them, but you know, a good chunk of them and men's group and everything else, which just kind of bumming my world out. It was just kind of like I was wasting my time and not that I was looking for God or anything else. I was just looking for something that felt right to my faith. And then I ran across, uh, I was listening to uh, Buddy's podcast and Sadhguru uh, came up and he's a mystic and a guru and uh, a yogi. And I really love his ways. And I started following that but before that just on survivor one of the other survivor mates taught me how to meditate we were killing you know we're around each other 24 7 so i started meditating quite a bit and i really find that my mornings um if i can take 10 15 minutes 20 minutes to meditate it's it's amazing what it can do for you because you really i set my intentions for the day okay i got this meeting with this prick today um i'm going to I'm going to walk in and he's going to piss me off, but I'm going to stay cool and it's going to be, it's going to be chill and he's not going to ruin my day. Oh, you're the only one that can make yourself happy and you're the only one that can make yourself pissed. Um, so I, I chose to, to, to stay cool. And um, it's just, a, it's a beautiful way to start the day and it's nothing really heavy, but it just, it's, I'm responsible for me, which I really love. I've been responsible for myself all my life for all my advances and falters and, everything else I, I like they say you point one finger out you you look you look down you got three fingers pointing back at you it's it's up to me um not knocking any other religions but um i i kind of learned to get off my knees and uh, do something and move myself forward i was responsible for myself so um it, it became a really natural process uh just being responsible do you find the modern mm -hmm. athlete that you speak with or the modern business owner, the modern person that's grown up in the social media age, do you find them to be receptive to these kind of life lessons or this life advice, especially somebody like you who's lived such an interesting journey and all the experiences that you've had? Do you find it a little bit easier to reach people in, let's say, the, the modern day in the 2020s or back when you were in the locker room, were they more perceptive then? How, how do you feel it's changed in society when it comes to people having an open ear and open mind um it's a good question i'm, I'm not really sure i kind of learned i don't know probably 20 years ago that i'm again i'm responsible for myself this this book is not a you should book or it's this is the way to do it it's the way i do it everybody's i've really come to accept that everybody's on a different path um and i accept it and it's uh saw a great quote of, I think, a Keanu Reeves saying that, uh, you know, if somebody tells him that one plus one equals five, he's going to say, right on, man. I believe you. Good job. You know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to, if, if somebody's asking me some questions about it, they're obviously interested. So then I'm going to go down that path. But I'm not going to just talk about, go in and start talking about said guru or, or the need for you to meditate. Meditate would really help you. No, but if you come to me and ask me, I'm, I'm, I'd love to sit and rap with you. Polly, I, I saw that your wife, Lizzie, was a co-author of this book. Um, you know, just wanted to find out, you know, what's uh, what's the relationship like? You know, what sort of uh, inspirations did you draw from her? Uh, what did she bring to the to the writing of this book? Yeah, she's a she's a brilliant woman. A uh, woman uh, went to Harvard, uh, got her master's at Georgetown. Um, I always love to brag about her. She had her she wrote her master's thesis on the implementation of nuclear diplomacy. 
uh, at Georgetown. So she's 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 got the bandwidth. And when I started writing the book, she was she had left her company, and we traveled around the world for nine months. And so we're just joined at the hips. We I just it's amazing. It's both of our second marriage. We get along. I mean, just so well. We very rarely have an argument, and if that, you know, we're keeping the the volume down, and we listen to each other. Um, but uh, she wanted to start getting into writing, so we both started watching, uh, you know, how to do it. So we, you know, the master classes they've got. Um, we joined, uh, got a membership for the master classes, and watched probably at least a dozen. Um, of the, the writers, Stephen King and so forth, um, went to some conventions, some book writer conventions and, and just started writing. And then, so every night we'd climb into bed about seven o'clock and I'd read to her what I wrote and she would, you know, laugh or, you know, want to edit it or say it was, you know, perfect and just kind of kept plugging along. And we did this for about eight months and all the stories are mine and all the humor and everything, but she really was the glue and put the final spices on it to, to bring it together and really see the theme and see the Rottweiler and golden retriever in me. And like, she likes to say this, this, this might not win any literary uh, awards, but it's uh it's definitely a fun page turner for any guy. It's behind the scenes um, in the locker rooms. It's uh Playboy Mansion, it's parties, it's craziness. She wanted it all. She calls this her first pancake. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's not perfect, but it's fun. And she's working on another one right now with my old teammate, Todd Marinovich, um, who I'm sure most of the world knows in the football world. And that's, uh, and I was his teammate and hanging with him for a couple of years. And she knows more about him than any uh, sports writer. Uh, you know, a lot of them just kind of piled on and, and wrote a bunch of, you know, heavy crap stuff on them. She's got the inside scoop. So it's, I just can't wait for her second, uh, second pancake to finish. <laughs> Either could we, and it's, it's an exciting meal or a pancake in football terms that you are guys are working on and joining yeah. us as this very special guest and Paulie outdid himself. We got to give cre credit to Raider nation. He is Steve, Wright. He is the author along with Lizzie, Wright, Aggressively human discovering humanity in the NFL reality TV and life. And Steve, it's funny. Uh, my wife is currently getting her PhD. She is an author and teacher. I am finishing up a children's book. So I just, all those memories you, when you were speaking about your wife, how uh, that connection of her being your ultimate editor, your ultimate yeah. cheerleader, your ultimate coach, all of it put together. Did you, did you ever see yourself uh, no. from playing in the biggest games to, you know, uh, starting your own entrepreneurship, all this other, that you would be in bed with your wife talking about a book, of the experiences you lived in your life. No, it's beautiful. And we, we traveled around the world uh, before the pandemic for nine months. We, we traveled both with a, just a backpack. We, were, we just turned into minimalists. We, we both were, but we, were, we turned into extreme minimalists at the time. We, don't, we haven't had a TV in five years. So it's just, it's a great chance for your brain to, to do other things. Invent, I created a, uh, uh, got a patent. Um, um, you know, just I never thought I'd be writing a book, but now I'm published, uh, you know, a published author. It's it's just taking one step at a time. And my big theme in my book is is if there's an open door, charge through it. 
and you might run into another door and fall flat. Big deal. You know, so it's a, you never know when your life's going to end. And I'm definitely not going to end by saying I could have, would have, should have. Steve, this is uh, great. But now I have to ask the question. We are on the sports show. Do you still watch NFL football? Do you watch college football? Do you still watch Survivor? How how in depth without the TV for five years are you? It's somewhat. Do you get from uh the second news or whatever? Are you still uh in the? Do you dab in the stuff that you've done before? Or once it's conquered, it's over with, and you're on to the next adventure. It's it's it. <laughs> that's exactly right. It's I've kind of moved on. Football has changed, and I hate to sound like a like an old fart. Like you know, football is not the same as it used to be, but it really isn't just as when I played, it wasn't the football of the sixties and the fifties. I think since 2000, they've added 50 new penalties and the guys, you know, they want you bigger, stronger, faster, but like you can't, they, they, they've got a muzzle on these guys in the harness and, and you can't touch and you can't hit like this and you can't grab like that. And, you know, over a hundred commercials and, it, uh, you know, after living football and taking it home and watching films and it just, uh, I didn't watch any football for about 10 years, but then my wife started getting into it and wanted to know about football. Um, we, we sat and we watched some games for probably two or three years, but we were both pretty bored with it. Um, I'll keep up with it once in a while online and, you know, hang out with some buddies. We work out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and we talk a little football and, but I'm, uh, no, it's uh, it's kind of once something is over, I'm 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 pretty. It's pretty easy for me to turn the page and kind of keep moving forward. Um, yeah. So, Polly, <laughs> uh, you know, so now now we got to bring it to the football questions. You mentioned one of your first position coaches in the NFL was Mike Ditka, who, of course, you know, very legendary stature here in Chicago. Tell us a little bit what it was like to work under Coach Ditka. Oh man, I love Mike. Um, you know, I'm a 21-year-old punk, and there was 120 free agents trying out for the team. And for some reason, he just saw something in me and liked me. And he'd see me frustrated, you know, in practice. And I knew I was going to get caught. It was, you know, there was, there was they had a number one and a number three draft pick that year. Glenn Titansor and uh, Howard Richards was the number one draft pick. So for sure, I was, I was out. But I worked so hard and had the right mindset that uh, they kept me. Um Mike would see that, you know, I was frustrated and he'd throw an arm around my neck and he'd say, let's go for a walk. This is during practice when I got my helmet on and everybody's standing around waiting for their turn. He'd just go for the walk with me. And he'd say, you know, my coach Meyer, coach Meyer is the offense line coach. He's driving you crazy, isn't he? You know, and I was just so frustrated. And I write about this a lot in the book and Mike and quite a few different places, but he just flipped my world upside down. He'd say, Steve, everybody here has got the physical tools from the shoulders up is going to separate everybody deal with it. You're going to get your ass kicked, learn fast. You know, you're only as good as your last play. And it's just like, wow. And another one, uh, one of the ones that threw me upside down is, Hey, you worry if he stops yelling at you. And I was like, Whoa, you know, for a 21 year old kid, my coach is yelling at me. And now, you know, what it, what it would be like if he just didn't say anything after, you know, a play. It would just know that he's just not looking at me anymore and he's given up. So he was grinding on me a lot. Um, I think he just, he loved how I, how, how much I was hustling. I was kind of in Superman shape. One of the preseason games, um, the punter, Danny White ran onto the field and, 
yeah, I always count the the blockers in front of them and there better be 10. And I'm standing there and I'm not on that team. And I'm just, all of a sudden Danny starts freaking out and waving his hands around. I don't know what made me do it, but I'm looking around and nobody's moving. So I just ran onto the field at Texas Stadium, you know, super ballsy. And I ran in and they just point me to a hole to fill. And I blocked my guy and I came off and Dick had grabbed me and just, you know, was just so thankful that they didn't have to call a timeout. You know, just being heads up and uh, but but Dick, it was Dick, it was the bomb. I, it, that that reminds me of uh, I was reading about Tony Dorsett's record breaking run and how it seemed like it was a similar story for you where you weren't even supposed to be at right guard on the play, right. not your normal position, right. but you did a guy and you went and I, I watched the play. You had a great block on uh, <laughs> I did on the tackle that that you Let's were defending. Go. I did. It was crazy. I was in for one play in Minneapolis where I grew up and it was just a great, uh, you know, I won't go into this long story, but I'm sitting in the stands uh, four years earlier. I'm in 10th grade. I'm 17 years old, 16 years old. And now here it is four years later, same place. Now there's a dome stadium and Monday night football. And I'm in the huddle with the same guy that caught the Hail Mary, Drew Pearson and Tony Dorsett. And I'm looking around just, you know, about ready to explode into one big goosebump. My family's there with 35 of my neighbors and buddies. And um, yeah, I was in one play and, <laughs> and it went right into the Hall of Fame. So I don't know. I'm a lucky guy. <laughs> yeah, I got my block. Well, uh, another coach I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, you were you were there for the first uh, season of the first African-American head coach in the league and a Hall of Famer that played a similar position to you in Art Shell blocking on the open side. What was it like uh, having Art Shell as as your coach and, and what he kind of brought to your career? It was beautiful. It was, uh, you know, yeah, like you said, it, it was, you know grinding on me as an offensive line coach and wanted me to, you know, to excel and, you know, working with us. And I love the guy. And, and it's just so awesome how Al Davis, you know, it doesn't matter if you're Indian, Mexican, black, whatever. It's just, and in our locker room, it's just a, it's a, it's a racial utopia um, where you just don't see that anyplace else outside of the locker room. It's just, you're all brothers. There is no color. And so to see, you know, a, a good black dude, you know, be risen up like that to be given the responsibilities was, it was an honor to play underneath him. And uh, it, it was always, you know, kind of bugging me before that you just don't see that very much. And hopefully it's, it's changing, but that's, I take my hat off to, uh, and, and bow to uh, Al Davis and, and all the different odd things he would do and push him back against society, um, the norms just, you know, to do the right, to do the right thing for his team. I mean, it's, I, I played for the Cowboys and I played for the Colts. And out of the 40 years, the Colts just brought us back for uh, one reunion. And it was, you know, it was pretty bad. Um, just kind of, you know, sparing expenses for sure. The Raiders, complete opposite. Every year they fly back a couple hundred of us put us up in the hotel, take care of the flights, all the food, everything else. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a amazing organization. Have you, you know, been to Allegiant stadium in Las Vegas and all that since they've moved? I have, I have, and I'm going to go hey. up there. They're bringing me up there to be what's called an ambassador uh, next weekend awesome. um, against the chiefs. 
And I'm already going to run into a couple guys up there that I've got some funny stories of, you know, just bench clearing brawls we we were into. But now now we're going back and forth on social media, you know, looking forward to seeing each other. And that was a whole nother life. But yeah, I've been to uh, the stadium a couple of times, but this one's going to be up there working a little bit and then uh, schlepping my book around town. <laughs> I'm going to go hit all the bookstores and I got a couple signing. I got uh, one signing I'm going to be doing with... Uh, James Harrison from the oh. uh, yeah the beast I've never I've never met the beast but I, we were just talking just to, right before we got on he's scrambling to buy more books he's he's <laughs> blown through his books and so yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a lot of fun and the book is <laughs> aggressively human discovering humanity and the NFL reality TV and life Steve we're gonna let you go on one last football one this has been amazing I literally I can do this I know Paul can do this for four hours I can do this for about three hours and fifty nine minutes but uh, let let me put it this way Steve. Um, Best football player you ever saw, whether it was a teammate or somebody you played against. Who is the guy when I say this was the best player? Could be a lineman, could be a defensive end, could be a punter. When you got on the field in the NFL, who was the one guy you saw on the other side? You're like, oh man. Yeah, I, you know, just can I can I go more than one? Please. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, I mean, I'd I was in playing against Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White. <laughs> Um, Bruce Smith, Neil Smith, every day in practice, Howie Long, you know, yep. so it, uh, Howie, Howie made me up so much of a better player. And I go into all that in my book. And also, too, just wouldn't like to, and, and yeah, you, you, Bo, Bo was, Bo was one dimensional, but he was, you know, better than anybody in that one dimension. And that's just pure explosive speed. That was, you know, shocking to watch. Any any long runs you see of him, I'm supposed to be out in front of him, and I'm chasing behind him ten yards. You know, he's already blown past where I'm supposed to be going, and um, so I'm just looking for fumbles. But I'd like to push my my website too, my Please. my author website of writeauthor.com. Everything's on there, and I'm having a, 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 a virtual book release this weekend. Um, all that's on the website as well. And I, yeah, it's writeauthor.com. You can also check out Aggressively Human Discovering Humanity in the NFL, reality TV, and life if you want to see the hardcover. But please check out the website. Also, check out the signing. This is going to be amazing. We'll be making sure to post everything in which you're doing. And uh, Steve, before I throw it to Polly to uh, take us home, I want to tell you something right now. I know you don't watch modern NFL, or at least, you know, you it's yeah. through the grapevines and everything. But I'll tell you this much. So much of what you told us today, the weird correlation that Chicago sports fans are going to eat up, talking about Bo and his explosiveness, what it means being one-dimensional, how does it impact the team? Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears are seeing that right now. Talking about Al Davis compared to the McCaskies and Hallis family, how Chicago right. Bears feel about them. What you did, talking about your experiences, you have no idea. Beyond the amazing work you're doing from your business to the book and your NFL career and working with your wife, Bears fans are going to eat this interview up. And I thank you so much, Mr. Wright, for joining us on the show. And Pauly, take us home. Right Great on, job. Mike. Great job, Raider Nation. Shout out. Thank you guys you, got Mike. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Well, Steve, once again, thanks for coming on to the show. Congratulations on the book release. Congratulations to your wife as well on the book release. And uh, tell her we're looking forward to that Todd Marinovich book that she's working on. Right on, man. Thank, thank you. Appreciate it.
We got more Very coming smart. up next here on the Sports Cubicle. It's Paul Shibari. I'm Mike Mercado. What an amazing guest, Steve Wright. Check out his book. Go to writeauthor.com. Aggressively human, discovering humanity in the NFL, reality TV, and life. Shout out Lizzie and Steve. We got more coming up next.